0: Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano This is the Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, this is exciting. Not only is uh, the gentleman I'm privileged to be sitting across right now an incredibly successful actor, author, businessman, producer, director in the last few years that we've been doing this show, he's the only one that can speak on both bagels and Mathis versus Sinatra with equal authority. He's appearing Saturday in the Lifetime original film, How to Murder Your Husband. He's also pretty universally regarded as a super nice guy in a field which is not known for producing a lot of nice guys. And, to the best of my knowledge, he's the only person to work with both Colonel Sanders and Lawrence Olivier. It is a great deal of uh, personal pleasure to welcome the one and only Steve Gutenberg. Steve, it's great to see you in person. Thanks for coming
1: Thank you, Frank. It's really nice to see you.
0: And now, are you aware that your book, the Gutenberg Bible, is only available at one branch of the New York Public Library, only the Mulberry Street branch?
1: I was I was aware of that. You were? Yes, I was. I actually requested the Mulberry branch. <laughs> it's the only branch that actually serves Cherry Cola. <laughs> if you want Cherry Cola, Mulberry Branch. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that. I just want wait a minute. You're not cousin Brucey. <laughs> I was told I'm going to see Cousin Brucey. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is, is this, is this a joke? Are you joking? Is this a joke? Is this a joke? Uh, I, I, if only I were Cousin Brucey. Right. Trust me, I'd
0: be a lot better dressed. You see, oh, we have a, a Cousin, Cousin Brucey cardboard uh, cutout here. Uh, th- Steve, actually, can you get a little closer to the mic? Actually? Yeah, sure. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> can I bring the mic now, closer to me? No. That's so. I have a copy of your book, The Gutenberg Bible, arriving today. Right? Because uh, I that thought that means you didn't read it. No, well, no. I, I here. Listen, to what I did. <laughs> I was hoping to one, um, you know, get a, a, a tremendous uh, souvenir, not only for me and the Morano household, but my one-year-old on something to treasure years from now. To
1: leave behind exactly. when you go to the great <laughs> exactly. studio with <in> the sky. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, and not a, go like this. What's this? Throw it out. It, so
0: I bought this book, and I was excited to read it. It's not arriving till today. So I had to go and buy the electronic version of this book for $11. So not only did I did I purchase it and read it, I bought two copies, one in paper,
1: one in electronic. You are, how much do you want? Well, no, I, you, I, I I get it. I get it. I'm from New York. What do you need? <laughs> I'm going to have to have I'll you give shine. you $11 that's my final offer. A, a blank piece
0: of paper that uh, you can insert <laughs> that, in, that I can insert into the book when it arrives uh, later today uh, tell me about How to Murder Your Husband you have let you are leading you're not, it's not past tense, one of the most incredible acting careers in history, you've wow. made uh, a lot of films that have made over a hundred million dollars, Three Men and a Baby Short Circuit, the Police Academy franchise, the remake of The Poseidon Adventure, which I really enjoyed um, I was sorry to see what happened to the masseuse in that uh, in that picture. It but, happens. Uh, tell me this uh, this picture on the Lifetime Net, Net, Lifetime Network Saturday: How to Murder Your Husband. Uh, what's it all about? Sybil Shepherd is in this with you, right? Have you been drinking?
1: <laughs> I might just want to know right now. You, you you're <laughs> off the air. Tell me if you've been drinking. Anyway, you don't have to tell me on the air because people are watching. Um, this is the only well, time I'm sober these four I, hours. That's what I heard, yes, and I'm really glad true. to be here. You, I I got a call from my agent. Uh, do you want to work with Sybil Shepherd? And I said, yeah. You know, I'm a big fan of hers from The Heartbreak Kid, Taxi Driver, Last Picture Show, and of course, Moonlighting. And Sybil. She was great on Sybil. And Sybil. Great show. Yeah. Uh, So I read the script and it's a fascinating story. And it's going to be on Lifetime, which I think does great movies, not only Christmas movies, but great movies about women. And women love murder. Don't get don't when you go home be nice to your wife because women love murder. So it's actually about a true story about Daniel and Nancy Brophy who were broke living up in Portland, real problems. So Nancy decides to take an insurance policy out on her husband, buy a gun online and write a blog called How to Murder Your Husband. A month later, she kills Daniel and uh looks pretty bad. So she allegedly Killed him, but she was convicted, and she got convicted, I guess, June or July of 2022. Oh, well,
0: so once you're convicted, it's no longer alleged. Right? Well,
1: she's appealing, her so you have to say alleged. Got it. Yeah, so so you're,
0: you're playing Daniel. I'm playing
1: pictures. Daniel. I get killed, paid 75 out of 95, <laughs> which basically means I had one day off a week. So I get to relax. The other days, you're up at 4 o'clock in the morning. So it's going to be
0: uh, this Saturday on the Lifetime uh, Network, 8 o'clock Eastern. And
1: you can watch it on mylifetime.com. If you don't get to watch it on a Saturday night, let's say the baby's crying. Let's say your husband wants to have sex, you know, once a year. Well, or so, people and, are listening to Cousin Bruce. Or people are listening to Cousin Bruce. You're not Cousin Brucey, Seriously? <laughs> if only. I was told – I was seriously told that I was to see Cousin <laughs> Brucey. So it's not a disappointment because I like you, but I'm just saying. Um, anyway, uh, you can watch – the great thing about this streaming situation is that if you don't see it Saturday night, you can watch it another time. Whereas years ago, you couldn't do that. Right, you miss it, you miss it, it's gone. You miss gone. it, yeah, it's gone, you're never going to see it again. What are you you're think- not, If you didn't see the last episode of M.A.S.H., You're not going to see it. Right. It's over.
0: Right. Uh, Now, um, what do you think is driving the surge of interest in the true crime genre? We've now seen it in publishing. We've seen it in podcasting, uh, television movies, and theatrical releases. The one thing that seems a sure bet in terms of ratings and in terms of making money, in terms of getting clicks or page turns, whatever, is true crime. What does it say about American culture that we're obsessed with real-life crimes? Human
1: beings are bloodthirsty animals. It's the way it is, Frank. And that's just – we love blood and gore and killing and murder. You know, some of the most well-liked people in the world are criminals. Uh, you know, Al Capone was well-liked in Chicago. Uh, and you can go on and on and on. People love murder. They love violence. And it's fun to watch Basically because it's not happening in your own house. I think if you have someone murdering people in your own house, you're you probably going like to watch that. it in television. That's true. But most houses don't happen.
0: Hey, what was it like to work with Sybil Shepard, both uh, as an actress, I think we're, a lot of fans are familiar with her, but we haven't gotten to know her on a personal basis and work with her as you have. What's she like?
1: She is really kind of astounding. She walks in. First time I met her, we, we were doing makeup and hair tests. Uh, and they did great they they had fantastic ability to make us both look like the characters she walks in she 's five eleven she 's gorgeous she was a supermodel um, she has all these incredibly iconic movies behind her so i 'm kind of intimidated sure she sat down and I fell in love with her she 's charming she 's lovely. She has a great wit. She's got great intelligence. And she's Sybil Shepard.
0: We're talking with Steve Gutenberg. Check him out Saturday in the Lifetime original film, How to Murder Your Husband. I've always uh, heard that famous people when they meet one another, the thing to do is act like you guys already know one another. Is that the case with the first time you meet Sybil Shepard?
1: First time I meet a famous person, I make out with them. <laughs> right away. I don't care who they are. I don't care. All of a sudden if, I'm thankful for my anonymity. I don't care if it's Professor Irwin Corey. I will make out. With him. <laughs> Including posthumously. You have to make Absolutely. out with them posthumously. That's terrific. Uh, I think that if I was a fan of Sybil Shepherd and, and Stilemma, of course, and you, for the first few moments, I think you're like everybody else. Wow. I'm meeting Sybil Shepard. Wow. I'm meeting Tom Selleck. Wow. You know, we're all basically audiences. So for the first time, couple of seconds, you're like, wow. And then you get to know the person and you realize that we're all the same, that we are all at work. We're trying to make the best of our lives. We're trying to make the world a better place and we want to connect. And most people are like that. You know, there are people who are very private. There are celebrities that don't want to talk off screen, don't want to get to know you. But most people really are Open and and want to uh, make a friend.
0: You alluded to uh, the first time you meet Tom Selleck. Obviously, you did a terrific picture with uh, he and Ted Danson, uh, three men and a baby, and, and three men and a little lady. And uh, I know but cousin Brucey would have said that. I'm just saying. But the reason I mentioned three men and a a baby is because I am an obsessive Star Trek fan. And by extension, I'm an obsessive Leonard Nimoy fan. A lot of people don't realize that Leonard Nimoy actually directed that picture. What's it like to work with Leonard Nimoy when he doesn't have pointed ears and he's behind the camera directing? A lot of us know him as such a powerful on-screen presence. But we don't necessarily picture him as a director. What was he like to work with as a director?
1: Leonard, first of all, those are his ears. They are strangely pointed. I have no idea why he wears a hat most of the time. Um, Leonard was a brilliant guy, incredibly friendly. The way I described him is a fireball inside an iceberg. He's laconic. He is stoic. He he comes from a Russian background. Um, And inside, he's funny and charming, and I miss him very much. Very intelligent. And he was an acting teacher. So as an actor, when you're working with him, he knows how to get inside you, how to make your your talent come out the best way. He's able to hone your craft in a few minutes and find what you're missing and, and celebrate what you have. He was a really terrific guy. When we would go out to dinner, and I went out to dinner with him a lot, we would both get recognized. And he would say, uh, when we get photographs taken, he goes, you know, the Native Americans say, when someone takes your picture, you lose your soul. Gutenberg, you have, like, negative soul now. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed working with him. He was really smart. And he made that movie. He, and you know the wonderful part of that movie, Three Men and a Baby, was probably two days after we wrapped, he had a finished picture. He was editing, which a lot of it directors mm. do, during the shooting. But there was no fat. So basically, he sat down two days after we shot and watch the movie. He was very, very talented. The,
0: the chemistry that you have in that film with uh, the two other primary co-stars really jumps off the screen. It really seems like you guys are friends in real life. Are you just three really good actors? Or did you guys actually become friends in real We
1: became life? friends. Um, we actually had a great opportunity. We got up there. And we were supposed to have, I think, a week's rehearsal and then shoot. But the script wasn't ready. So we had two weeks to go out to dinner every night hang out every day, go to the gym, hang out. I uh, gotcha. And we got to know each other really well. Both Tom and Ted are genuinely wonderful guys. Um, and, and Ted would always say, you know, we're the same guy. And we'll never be in another movie together because we're basically the same person um, but they they are and and will always be great guys
0: you talk about uh, three 1980s a- uh, icons right I, I think you have to put uh, magnum Pi cheers and the Police Academy franchise on there to have them all in two films like that is really is really something there were two other films in the 1980s that were huge box office successes critical successes and it's rumored that you were offered a starring role in both of them. One is Josh in Big, the Tom Hanks role. The other is Peter Vankman, Bill Murray's role in Ghostbusters. True or false? Were you offered those roles?
1: Now, I'll tell you something. Your memory becomes a lot uh, more golden as you get older. First of all, Tom Hanks was the only guy who could play Josh. I mean, he was incredible. But I did meet Penny. and I. Re- and Penny I- Marshall. Penny Marshall. And uh, she said I really would... Be very interested in you doing this movie, um, and I had another offer, and I took that offer without exploring it even. And and with uh, with Ghostbusters, I don't think that's true. I know that they, I my agent did call me and say that the cast and director and, and uh, Ivan Reitman were really interested in you because they didn't have the third guy. I guess Bill was holding out or something to that effect. Um, and I was excited about doing it um and uh, and but then i took another picture i was really lucky for about 17 years i was not home for 10 11 months a year i was shooting all year every day i would finish on a wednesday i'd start again on a thursday uh and i was uh, very very fortunate to keep working and i still am you know I still do the same thing. I wake up in the morning, I have my coffee, I have my breakfast. I call a couple of friends. I speak to a couple of family members and I go to work and I've done the same thing for 47 years.
0: Uh, Not bad for a guy that was told at 16 by a fairly prominent agent that you're the last guy I would ever pick to be a movie star.
1: It's true. uh, My godfather, a guy named Michael Bell, um, helped me get into the business and he introduced me to his agent and it was right in front of uh, the Time Warner Center uh, and I went up to their offices, and I sat down, and I was really excited about it, being an actor. And he told his assistants and the other people to leave, and this big agent told me, just run to the elevator, run to Penn Station, and get out of here, because you will never... You're the last guy I would ever pick to be a movie star. I didn't hear a word he said. I was 16 years old, and it was great. So he tells you, you don't have the look, you don't have the
0: talent, your name is ridiculous, yeah,
1: right? two Italians. And yet
0: you have... <laughs> You've succeeded in a field where I have to think that even becoming a working actor and making a living as a working actor is almost as rare as winning the lottery. How did you overcome uh, what this uh, big Hollywood agent, what his view of your talents and your look and your name
1: was? I'll answer it. Then I'll just go on a tangent. Work ethic. It's really about showing up every day. You know, Lou Gehrig used to say that he wasn't the greatest baseball player in the world, but he showed up every day. And that's what life is all about, just showing up. Thomas Edison would say, I'm not the most brilliant inventor in the world, but I come to the laboratory every day and I sit there. And sometimes nothing happens. Sometimes something does. I'm like a 300 hitter. You know, a 300 hitter strikes out or pops out seven times out of 10. Only three times a bat out of 10 does he get a hit. And the difference between a 250 hitter and a 300 hitter is one hit every Mm. 20 times a bat. So my deal is... I show up every day, and the fact is I'm amazed, and any of us, you, you're a talent, I'm talent, any actor that makes a living, all the clothes on your back, the, the food that your kids eat, the rings that your wife wears, the heat in your house is all from being a, a piece of talent, and, and the odds are so small to make a living. I'm so grateful every day. I've not been a waiter since I'm 19 years old. And I've been a waiter, I, I was a pool guy. I sold cars, I sold encyclopedias, pots and pans. I worked at a stable. I'm so thrilled that I can make a living doing what I love in my craft, probably the same with you. It, the chances are so small that any actor makes a living. There are 160,000 actors in the SAG-AFTRA Guild Maybe 1% or 2% make a living. I mean, it's unbelievable. And there are so many great actors in the world. Go to Minnesota. Mm. Go to Minneapolis to the Guthrie. Go overseas and go to some great French theaters. Go to Japan and watch some great theaters. Australia. Go go to anywhere in Long Island. Go to Off-Broadway. Go to, go to New Brunswick, where I'm, I'm actually going to do a, a show at the George Street Playhouse. There are great actors everywhere. But it takes a different blood to leave your family and go to Hollywood and get discovered. It takes a different animal. And I'm so grateful that I can make a living being an actor. Uh,
0: two things. One, um, you're going to have to give me your card because uh, I am in the market for some non-stick pans. So if you end up going back into the pot and I've pan got, sale I've got all Teflon
1: in the car. <laughs> right now, I'll give it to you at a discount. 50% <laughs> off, all cash. I don't, uh, I don't take any of your, your bull checks because I don't know all about you, Cousin Brucey. <laughs> I know about you, Cousin Brucie. Oh, wait a minute. You're
0: but I was going to ask you what advice, uh, what career advice or life advice you'd give to people that aren't in radio or aren't in... Uh, acting, and it seems like it's just that, is show up, keep going, and yeah. work ethic.
1: I, I My advice is don't think, just do. Take moments alone to think, but then just do. Just keep doing. Keep selling. Keep showing up. Keep going to work. Get there early. Come in early. If you're working at an office, get there early. Let the boss see you're there early. Sometimes, you know, a friend of mine who has a big company says, I don't hire people for what they can do, I hire them for who they are. I can teach you how to fly, how to fly the space shuttle i can 't teach you to show up early mm-hmm. i can 't teach you to not lie i can 't teach you to not cheat, but I can teach you to be the CEO of this company so I, I always say don 't think, just do think by yourself, take some moments to figure out your plan." And just keep going.
0: Uh, talking with Steve Gutenberg, See him Saturday on the Lifetime channel in How to Murder Your Husband alongside Sybil Shepard. It's a true story. Uh, so you can compare your version, your viewing of the film to how the appeal in the, uh, in the trial turns out. If you show up early, though, Steve, I'm guessing it's a lot easier to sneak on to the Paramount
1: lot, right? Yeah, that's what I did. When I was 17, I snuck on to the Paramount lot. I commandeered my own office, made my own phone calls, uh, and uh, found found myself into a job.
0: Uh, That is the kind of thing that you only read about in, in novels. That's the kind of thing you only see in movies. You did it in real
1: life. Yeah. I was very lucky. Uh,
0: I know one of the first uh, major paid acting gigs you ever did was a Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial. My first job. I, I, I'm curious, did that build a brand loyalty with Kentucky Fried Chicken? If you have a choice of, say, going to uh, Rogers Chicken or KFC or uh, some other, ch- or uh, you know, whatever, Chick-fil-A or KFC, do you stick with KFC because of their early role in, in boosting your career?
1: I did this commercial. I sat right next to Harlan, who is the colonel, yeah. and he fainted. And I caught him and I was so nervous that I caught him and he actually was revived and was so angry that he did faint because it was so hot. We were shooting the Rose Bowl. And after that, the the director said, Gutenberg, you're golden. Um, And uh, I don't recognize any other fried chicken, whether it's P-O-P-E-Y-E-S or any (laughs) of those others. There's only one fried chicken. It's Kentucky fried chicken. And you better believe it, buddy.
0: (laughs) The uh, uh, one thing that a lot of folks may not know about you is that in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. I don't Katrina,
1: wear underwear <laughs> is the other thing that nobody no, knows. No, everybody knows that. All trust me. Oh, shit. Uh,
0: but uh, in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, you spent a lot of time volunteering. I think you actually wrote a play about uh, what, what occurred in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina.
1: I did. I went down there, and I, uh, I had the most extraordinary experience. I went down there as an anonymous volunteer. Uh, and I slept uh, in the Astrodome where, after, um, and and it was just an incredible experience. Uh, I was there for three weeks, and it was it was just unbelievable that our country <clears throat> didn't rescue these people sooner, that our country didn't drop ten thousand troops right there to help all those people. Um, so I spo- I was up in Long Island, <clears throat> and I asked my mom and dad, do you think I should go down there? Uh, and they were really worried about me going down there. <clears throat> so we went to a sporting goods store, and I got heavy-duty gloves and boots um, and work pants, and I uh, drove down to – uh, Houston, because uh, I, went, I first went down to New Orleans and it was really hard to get in there. I did a couple of days in New Orleans. Then I drove to Houston and I spent three weeks down there at the Liberty Center. Uh, there were 20,000 people. Who had real problems, and I did security? I did babysitting, I worked in the food department, right. um, I worked in the medical department, um, I broke up a rape in the uh, bathroom um, there was uh, I helped set up a barber shop. Um, I slept next to the people um and uh and then one or about five nights i got to sleep at the sam houston hotel uh but it was an incredible experience and it was wonderful to be down there as an anonymous person Mm. i didn't go down as a celebrity and i watched a lot of celebrities down there and then i watched a lot of news people choose who they would speak to as if they were choosing melons they would say what 's your problem? I lost my mom and I lost my sister. Okay, How about you? I lost my mom, my dad, and my sister you 're better and they interviewed those people and It was really a horrible experience to watch the media pick and choose who would be the better interview um, and i and I watched a lot of celebrities do celebrity moments and photo ops and that part was kind of huh. off-putting. I No, I can imagine. That's, it must be a rare thing for you to be anonymous, <clears throat> it was, Yeah, you know, but the truth is I really do believe anybody you put on a, you know, you, you, if you don't stand out and try to stand out, I think even Elvis could have walked around Times Square without anybody knowing. If you make a spectacle of yourself, then people know who you are.
0: Uh, you are working all the time and uh, doing a lot of great work. What do you do for fun? I know you've confessed your bagel enthusiasm before, but what do you do for fun? If you had leisure time,
1: what would you be doing? I like to spend time with my family. I love spending quiet time with my friends, um, just just sitting and talking. I like to talk meaningfully. That's fun for me. I'm not a great small talker. A friend of mine um, who <clears throat> lives here in New York, whenever I see him, He he less, I don't know, a few times ago, I don't know, about 10 years ago, he said, you know, Stephen, you never, like we always get really deep right away. And that's who I am. I, I'm, I talk meaningfully and that's what I'm interested in. I mean, of course I, you know, I like working out or, you know, I like playing a little golf. Uh, I enjoy, I tell you what I really makes me happy is making the people around me happy is making everyone around me, my family, friends, people that I just meet, making their lives a little better. I like giving out money to homeless people. Um, I love my friends Alan Jill Siegel taught me how to make tons of sandwiches and give them out to homeless in Santa Monica out there when I, I, when I was living out there. Um, I enjoy making other people happy. That is fun for me. That's my fun, I I like spending my money on the people I love and making their lives easier. Um, I you know my best friend, one of my 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 best friend Joey and I we talk all the time about stuff and um you know we always say you know we just need a t shirt and jeans, pair of sneakers and you know we we we're happy. Um, and I got a, a buddy of mine, Liam who we talk deeply ab- about things and we're both regular guys we both just have sisters and Liam and I always talk about normal stuff stuff that makes us happy uh I, and I got a friend Epstein and Liam is one of my best friends and Epstein's one of my best friends and Epstein and I can go to Houlihan's and you know just enjoy Sitting there doing nothing, or you know Bennigan's or any of the you know Denny's, or some diner. Um I don't even know if Hula Hans is in business anymore. But there's a handful in it, Jersey. It, there. Oh, the Jersey. Yeah. But I like just spending time talking about normal stuff.
0: Finally, Stephen, I appreciate you being so uh, generous with your time, and uh, I'm going to be watching How to Murder Your Husband and uh, making sure my wife doesn't watch it
1: because we don't want to tell her. her, her any the title ideas. is How to Give Your Husband a Back Rub. <laughs> That's what, <laughs> she, that's what I exactly. told my wife. It's how to give your husband a backer. There's a surefire
0: way to get Rachel not to tune in. Oh, oh yeah. But um, you've, uh, you've grown up in New York. You've spent a lot of Rachel, years. Rachel, Jewish? She, well, uh, she's of Jewish derivation, but she's Christian. Yes. Oh, she's Christian. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, um, but you, <clears throat> so you've experienced New York and California. Answer us once mm-hmm. and for all. Right turn on red. Yes?
1: No? Dangerous. You have to be very careful. Right turn on red. You got to watch yourself. You know, and, and be very very careful. Um, I would say that um, L.A., California, really great place to enjoy natural resources. The beach. Whenever I'm out there, I go to the I go in the water every day. Um, I love the mountains. I love hiking. Um, and uh, and but it's a different. It's the West. It's not as friendly. You have to work a little harder. Mm. Uh, East Coast, a little friendlier. Um, you got to learn to not get hit by a car, not get hit, get hit by a, a taxi, um, and uh, not not wolf down your food because then you, if you walk through the streets, you have a bad stomach. Uh, but the truth is about the world, there are nice people everywhere. And mothers – In every country, every city, mothers in L.A., mothers in New York, mothers upstate New York, mothers in London, mothers in Iran, mothers in North Korea, we're all the same people. Mothers want to make sure their kids are okay. They want to take them to Disneyland. We're all the same. The truth is everyone is the same. We want to have nice lives. We want to give our kids good things. We want to be healthy. We want to be loving to our parents and friends. We're all the same everywhere. That's really the truth.
0: Steve, it is a real treat to have you on the program. It's a great, great pleasure to meet you in person. Best of luck with the film. I hope we can do this again soon.
1: I wish you and your family good health and success.
0: Thank you. This is The Other Side of Midnight. You want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano.